0: You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 12 covering Space Seed, A Taste of Armageddon, and This Side of Paradise with special guest Amanda Smith.
1: So, a few of you, actually none of you, but I assume some of you must be asking, how come? why come only no girls on this show? People are always asking
2: that question. Are they?
1: Well, I, part of it is because, you know, there's really no girls on Star Trek that we like. Well,
2: that's the thing. We wanted to show our disrespect for women much as uh, Star Trek has showed it.
1: Right, but um, since basically the only woman that we know that likes Star Trek, uh, or I could have just gone with the first part of that, the only woman yeah. we know... Is, is the one who happens to be uh, your, your long-time friend and, and my child bride. Uh, we have invited her on the program with us here now.
3: Yep. <laughs> All so,
1: right, good to have that, you. That was Amanda. <laughs> good night, Thanks folks. Thanks for, uh, yeah. You get, uh, you get the Nurse Chapel treatment. You get one episode and uh, we'll never hear from you again.
2: <laughs> Hailing frequencies open.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Uhura.
1: We'll get to that, sorry. I, I just oh, we'll someone get someone else's joke. Uh, first episode is mine. I, I lucked out this week. I, uh, I actually got a good episode. Um, I fought hard for a good episode this one <laughs> this time. Uh, that would be the, uh, the, the now famous Space Seed. Here we go. Uh, before Khan got all wrathy in that movie, the name of which escapes me for the moment, there was this episode. The Enterprise encounters a sleeper ship called Botany Bay, please save your oh own nose until the end, uh, full of cryogenically preserved supermen from Earth's mysterious 1990s. No, seriously, nobody can remember what happened during the Clinton administration by the 23rd century. It's fucking bizarre. I mean, apparently there was this whole eugenics war in which something like a quarter of the earth was ruled over by these crazy guys. Do you remember that? Because I'm sure I don't. So the guy they thought out says his name is Khan. Just Khan. What, your history books also left out the part where one named people like Cher, Madonna, and Beck roam the earth? It totally happened. Don't ask Khan anything else about his identity, though, or he'll become fatigued and evade ev- you. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, this guy gets fatigued more than my grandfather, and my grandfather's been dead for 25 years. Anyway, Spock eventually figures out that Khan is Khan, Noonien and Singh. No, not the guy who created Data, though I can understand your confusion. This guy was something like Hitler, and everyone forgot about him. Weird, huh? Naturally, with the help of the incredibly wussy and easily influenced ship's historian, Lieutenant MacGyver's, Khan thaws out his goons and attempts to take over the ship, but they're defeated. And rather than being taken to a starbase for trial and sentencing, they're deposited on SETI Alpha 5, where there'll be no Tribble at all.
2: <laughs> so, yeah. What a great chest this episode had. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? What a great chest this episode had. Really? I mean, How do really brings it?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, um, I, I think there's a rumor in uh, in Wrath of Khan that he has some um, peck implants. I think they were trying to restore him to his former glory, because I'm pretty sure that was his actual chest in this episode. <laughs> and
3: he was so oily. It was like he had rubbed up against the camera that MacGyver's was filmed <laughs> with all the Vaseline on the lens. Just sort of got in there.
1: See, I I think that um, the guys who were preserved on the sleeper ship were preserved like sardines. <laughs> Like there's there's uh, there's coldness there's there's those chambers with the gas in them but then there's some kind of oil to keep their their skin smooth
3: keep their freshness in
2: right Khan makes his own gravy <laughs> Ew. also
3: I just I just want to point this out now Khan um, ponytail greased chest <laughs> likes to do women's hair. Wearing the net, goldy net clothes that only the other women wear.
1: That's true. Later on, when when he thaws everyone else out, they're all standing there, and most of the dudes have like uh like your, your jumpsuit, yeah, your Venture Brothers speed suits on. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone else is wearing a net, and that is you're you're right. That is what Khan woke up in. Is that net?
3: Is there <laughs> something he wants to tell us? Is he really interested in Lieutenant MacGyver's?
1: Well, he's
2: interested in her as a friend. <laughs>
1: <laughs> in the same way that Sulu is uh, interested in um,
3: Nurse, Chapel? Nurse
1: Chapel and Uhura and everyone else. And Yeoman Rand. Yeoman Rand. That's the <laughs> Perhaps, Lieutenant,
2: you could introduce me to this Mr. Sulu. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: oh, and uh, we we are obligated by, by Trekkie law to point out that Khan did not at any point meet Mr. Chekhov here. And we'll later bring that up in Wrath of Khan, who
2: cares? I love the uh, the story that uh, Koenig put out, that uh, he met Khan in the bathroom and took all the toilet paper. <laughs> nice. <laughs> as that's, far as I'm concerned, that's canon. That's why uh, he's stabbing at the from Hell's Heart and so forth. Yes. Far.
1: I never forget the face, Mr. Chekhov. <laughs> but if he was in the stall, then he wouldn't know his face. Thanks.
2: I never forget a pair of shoes. <laughs> check off. He
3: sort of peeked over the top of the stall, sort of like. Kirby.
2: Like uh,
1: Kilroy was here. Yeah. Khan was here. Yeah, oh. that's, that's highly. Cool. How's it going in there? <laughs> Listen, can you uh, do me a solid? <laughs> I'm from the past, you know. <laughs> um, the the I one... am fatigued. <laughs> <laughs> I tire of this. I am fatigued now. The the one thing that. I, I got to be a little nitpicky sci-fi geek about is the whole eugenics thing. Mm. Eugenics is selective breeding. It's like breeding dogs. It's like you you find a trait that you like and you and you breed you know uh, parents that have that trait and gradually they all have that trait. It would take centuries to do this with humans. How uh, how could we possibly have had a war? It would have been so slow to breed a master race like that. Oh, <laughs>
3: well, Star Trek doesn't know what eugenics means. Just just assume they mean DNA fooling around with. Well, that's mm. that's genetics.
1: It's similar, but it's not the well, same. We certainly didn't have one of those wars. <laughs> the uh, I mean, the eugenics is is sort of what the Nazis wanted, which is to to breed favorable characteristics in in you know in their their citizens. They and, just mm-hmm.
3: Star Trek just didn't understand a Brave New World either. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: This is, this is an excellent point. Um, but apart from that, and, and apart from, well, you know, it was made in 1967, and, uh, well, it didn't actually happen. I, uh, I, I mean, this was a solid episode. This is definitely not a bad choice for, uh, to, to follow up with, with Khan, you know, for, uh,
2: oh, yeah.
3: movie sequel. Well, he's got all of the same scenery gnashing skills that uh, that Shatner
2: does. So oh, yeah, those work. two are very... Watching those two play off of each other is awesome. Yeah, and it's, it's strange
1: to think that this is the last time they will uh, be in the same room together. I mean, throughout yeah. Wrath of Khan, you know, everyone remembers that as, as Kirk versus Khan, and it was, but they were never on the same set. They were never on the same ship on the same planet ever. Kirk wanted to hit him with a pipe so badly, though. Yes, he did. <laughs> well, he he hit him with a pipe in this episode, and uh, it looks like he finally took that fortune of uh, jewels and uh, exchanged them for a good solid
2: club. So, good <laughs> for
3: him. inanimate carbon rod.
2: <laughs> I've been saving these to this fortune of jewels for a couple of months now. Finally, I can afford you, my stout club. <laughs>
3: <laughs> in, in the scene where they're um, where they're thawing out Khan, and they're they're opening the the Easy Bake oven door. Mm-hmm. To get him out, it looks so heavy. Like it takes like three of them to sort of rest it down.
1: Yeah, and and if he's genetically bred or however you want to put it to be the superior human, he he's muscly and and all that. Two hundred pounds tops. Mm. Really, it would take that many of them. Huh? <laughs> and
3: uh, then he's he's dying, and MacGyver's because she's already in love with him because you can tell because of the music swell.
1: Well, she's, and and the stars that are literally in her eyes. Yeah, and oh, the hearts yes.
3: coming out of the top right. of her head. And she's like. <laughs> Do something. But Bones is there and he's the doctor. And <laughs> no,
2: can, that's fine. He, he Don't talk do to me right <laughs> now. No,
1: mm-hmm. the captain's the one that has to order him to do it. That's it.
3: <laughs> order him to do something, Captain.
2: <laughs> uh stay alive. <laughs> Live. <laughs> yeah. Bones, you got anything? No, let me just get my doctor
1: tools out. <laughs> <laughs> now we um we we pointed out, and, and it definitely merits pointing out. And I think actually someone wrote us a letter to this effect. Khan is supposed to be Indian. Mm -hmm. Uh, Singh is uh, an Indian name. He's he's clearly supposed to be Indian. There's a, there's a painting that MacGyver has in his uh, inner quarters of him with a turban. It looks pretty tiger. Yeah. Oh, you, you look like a Sikh. Yeah. Uh. And and when his, uh, when his jewel blinks three times, you're supposed to punch him. But uh, (laughs) 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 I knew you'd get that if if we took a sec. Um, (laughs) But, I mean, he's clearly Hispanic. And they made a point of saying, look, these guys were all over the world. He called them by all these different, obviously different um – um ethnic names there was like mm. joaquin and there was like uh it was like an irish name and like they, they were all over the place there's it's no- o'reilly again yeah <laughs> <laughs> o'reilly so good of you to join me but there's no reason why they couldn't have made him you know the the latino like uh conqueror of earth like yeah. there's no reason for him to be indian if they couldn't cast an indian guy
3: and there's a long history of you know spanish conquistadors and stuff he could have been in the, the yep. in, in yeah that. in
1: that mold you're right and the, and her painting could have been of him in like one of those badass helmets.
3: Yeah, and the little stripe head shirts. Yeah,
1: so I'm I'm not real clear what's uh, what's going on there.
3: And what's worse is then there is an Indian guy, like he's one of the ensigns or something, who's who's running around, and you see them next to each other.
2: Yeah, yep. that didn't help. <laughs> that really no didn't help. It's like Indian, huh? That is correct, my I mean, friend.
3: It's <laughs> like putting a bad movie in your good. Movie <laughs> the other <laughs> way around.
2: It's much like that. Um, there, there's a bit
1: where we come back from commercial at one point when, when Khan's guys have taken over and it's just a, it's, it's a really subtle moment that I like where, uh, you know, captain's log supplemental, they have my ship and that's all he says. And it's, I just, something about that. Just like, I mean, yeah, we all know and we all laugh about Kirk loves his ship like a woman, blah, 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 but really you can tell, like, it just, it's, it's killing him. Like, not that they're going to take over the galaxy, not that they're going to murder everyone, but they have his ship. Just can't stand that.
2: Well, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, a couple of guys in a ship isn't as hu- isn't a huge deal. So, I mean, it's obvi- it's really personal for him.
1: Yeah, well, and you know, he does love his ship like a woman,
2: like a woman, literally in some cases. You. <laughs>
3: <Ew. laughs> uh,
1: one one other thing, uh, this is uh, one of the reasons we brought Amanda in specifically for this episode. Uh, a few months ago, uh, we and uh, actually Dave, who was on last week, um, went to Portland, Oregon, and saw uh, Star Trek in the park.
2: Oregon, Oregon. Um,
1: <laughs> they did this uh, performance of this episode. This these uh, like community players or whatever, um, and the chick who played Lieutenant MacGyver's, wow. Yeah,
3: she's a whole lot prettier in. Well, yeah, in, she, in was, she was. She was a round. lot prettier.
1: She flounced a lot. Like, <laughs> we all, we all four sat there talking about like what is the right verb for what she's doing there. <laughs> Flounce was the only thing that, that fit perfectly. She just
3: she's up on the balls of her feet and down, up and down, up and down. Yep, yeah,
1: and she's her just, her arms at her sides just like fluttering a little bit, and uh, y- you
3: expect
2: to be going like do 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 as she walks along. <laughs>
1: It was it was a lot of fun actually, and uh, and and if you do get a chance to see that, I know they do this in various cities, and this is one of the episodes they like to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely worth seeing. It's a lot of fun to see uh, an episode uh, play out sort of as live theater, and I quite enjoyed
2: that. Yes. Also, the guy who played Captain Kirk was quite a kicker. <laughs> yes, he was. Yeah, uh, Amanda managed to snap a picture of him in mid kick. <laughs>
1: Like, flying just, through the air, which was... Just th- launching himself. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. It was... Uh, and and that's roughly what happened in the episode here, only this was the same guy. They didn't stop and bring in the uh, the stunt double. It was no, was the no, same no. guy the whole time. What
3: happened in this episode is that Kirk wrapped his legs around Khan's neck like a Bond villain. Oh, right. Like a Bond <laughs> villainess. Yes.
1: <laughs> one one thing... One thing I noticed in this one, I think for the first time, uh, since they've done the the Blu-ray restoration and the HD upgrades and all, you can really tell in those wide shots where they're trying to hide the stunt doubles. Mm -hmm. Now that it's in much clearer resolution and a crisper picture, you can totally see the guy's face, and it's clearly not Shatner. That can't be Shatner.
2: Look how in shape he is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. This is season
2: one. That's why he's ripping his shirt off, because he knows what's Mm -hmm. coming. He's preparing for the coming (laughs) storm. (laughs) The Storm of fat. I've seen the future. Someday I will appear in a television show called "Shit My Dad Says." <sighs> S- Sincerely, Bill. <laughs> Best Bill. <laughs> all right. So, uh, anything else on the um right, Can I just know. talk? Can we just talk briefly about how much MacGyver sucks?
1: Well, all right. Aww. Sure. Oh. Now, Amanda, Jeez. you've you've heard the show. You're you're here when I edit it. Um, we try really hard. To, to speak up for the uh, the trampled women through Star Trek, I think we've done an okay job of that. But
3: they're too. not all trampled. We do occasionally get a chick who's all right. There's number one, and there's that yep. psychologist chick in the penal uh, the penal colony planet, and like the there are some that are okay. okay.
1: That's two. We're we're on something like episode twenty of the show at this point. Yeah, no, Uhura's um,
3: all right when she's not being told to shut up.
1: Uhura's <laughs> uh, fine when she, when Kirk's not around. I've noticed yeah. when yeah, he exactly. leaves, when he leaves Spock or Scotty in charge, she. Suddenly, has dignity, and she's sitting straight up, and she's proud of
2: what she's doing. And uh, you,
1: you get the feeling she's one
2: of those people who just doesn't want to go to work in the morning, <laughs> yeah. until she finds out the boss is sick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if they have her on like Delta shift, if they have her on like the midnight shift, and uh, Kirk's not in command, then then uh, you know then she's happy. But then
2: <laughs> why, why can't
1: I get transferred to the Hood?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I put in that's... so many
1: applications. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're you're right. MacGyver's is definitely on that. Uh, growing list of of women who um just no spine no
2: uh, oh.
3: she's the reason there's no place in your world of uh stars yeah, sure. for
2: women <laughs> now you must ask me to stay <laughs> Now i okay
1: there was there was that scene where it starts out with uh you know she comes to visit him and he's like no go away and and it gradually plays out like like matt just said where, where he makes her beg yeah I enjoy that scene, and it only works because she's a spineless jellyfish. Yeah, fan.
2: exactly. But you feel really bad for her. Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah, I get the feeling that once they're on Seti Alpha 5, she just gets beat up a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and while we're, while we're on the subject, Khan is all uh, eugenics or genetically advanced, depending on, you know, who you believe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and... <laughs> He decides to go with her really mm-hmm.
1: yeah a should- genetically superior woman he should be uh, he should be practiced at, at choosing better breeding stock than uh, yeah. than the likes of her well-
3: uh, and one more thing I wanted to mention is later on, um, Kirk and Bones are on the bridge and they're talking and Kirk's like, have you noticed, uh, have you, have you noticed how aroused that, uh, <laughs> MacGyver seems to be by him? So it sort of made me wonder, does Bones go around just like testing arousal
2: with <laughs> well, one of those machines? Well, okay. we've already proven they have the technology. <laughs> yeah, they have
1: the boner detector and, and maybe it works on women as well. So, uh. They just,
3: they just, he just does that. He just goes around poking machines at people to see how aroused <laughs> they are.
1: It's I, important to know on the proper running of a starship. I think it's a setting on the tricorder, and I think he needed it once and he just left it on the screen and he looks at it all the time, but he probably shouldn't <laughs> be. Like, it's probably inappropriate
2: to leave it up there, but. Uh, well, he just can't and help Kirk himself. wants to know who's into him. Well, yeah, that's, that's totally true. <laughs> Makes his job so much easier. <laughs> all right, so moving
1: on. Uh, the next episode is uh, yours, Amanda A Taste of Armageddon.
3: Yes, yes, A Taste of Armageddon. Don't be fooled by the ridiculously macho title. A Taste of Armageddon is a snore fest. Uh, We open aboard the Enterprise, and we're introduced to Ambassador Conan O'Brien here. Certainly, he'll get along with the crew and prove to be an asset to the mission. And being a diplomat, he'll be able to, you know, get along with the crew and and bring out his points in a nice way. (laughs) Oh, I kid. Of course he won't. Um, He orders the crew to go to MNR-7 to establish diplomatic ties. It's a planet that we know nothing about, but there are warning buoys circling around it saying how dangerous it is and, you know, to go away. Kirk thinks it might be a good idea not to go there. He must have just come back from an adventure or something because he's not bored enough to just immediately plunge into danger again. Um, Ambassador Conan O'Brien-Hare is plenty bored and orders the Enterprise to enter orbit despite the warnings. Spock, Kirk, and a few spares beam down to the planet to see what's up, while Scotty stays aboard the Enterprise to be yelled at by the Ambassador. Our pl- on the planet's surface, they meet the leader of the world who totally looks like he's going to cho- chew the scenery with his little beard and his little toga outfit. Um, and he's with a bunch of guys in checkerboard pants and cone hats, uh, who I guess are guards? I don't know. Uh, Kirk is given a stern talking to for ignoring the buoys and is told that there's a massive go- war going on between MNR7 and its sister planet, which is weird because the planet looks pretty stable and not war-torn at all. Also, the set... Uh, of the outside of the planet looks pretty cool. There's a painting and stuff, but uh, we're quickly shuffled along into a cheaper set. Um, then there's some running around, and there is a Doctor Who level of running back and forth between <laughs> rooms in this episode. Uh, and we discovered that M 7 has been, has civilized war down to a, what's basically a game of battleship. A computer simulation decides how many people uh, would have died in the theoretical attack, and those citizens go to the disintegration booths uh, to meet those numbers. Kirk, once again, can't stand that a civilization does something differently than the way he'd want it done. <laughs> uh, plus, there's this one chick on the planet who he has the hots for, and she's been scheduled for disintegration. So he wrecks up the place, breaks <laughs> an apparently fan-powered war computer... And then he spends, ooh, 15 minutes, uh, trying to justify his actions in a speech that boils down to, well, you see, they had to work for peace because, you know, barbaric explosion wars are more fun. I mean, not, not more fun. They're, they're better and, uh, more reasons for us to stop doing war because war is bad. And then the ambassador stays on the planet to help them figure out, um, our earth peace.
1: Yeah. Wow. Stranded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Buried alive, buried alive <laughs> uh, I, yeah my the m- my feelings on this one can be summed up pretty well there was there's a line where um they find out what's going on they uh they see this whole simulated thing and the and the the, the kill the annihilation booths, and uh, the guy says this is no game, and i just I, I was thinking this is no game, our computers are simulating a war. does that sound like a game <laughs> to you? <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, it
3: does. <laughs> when they first get to the planet, um, this this civilization seems to be confused about what's moral and what's polite, because they said it would be only moral to uh, bring you in for for refreshments and stuff now that you've landed on the planet.
1: Really moral, huh? Yeah,
3: moral.
1: (laughs) Can't just leave people
2: outside unrefreshed.
1: (laughs) Yeah, actually, I wish the episode lineup had had gone a little differently because uh, my episode doesn't fit the pattern of these other two, which is Kirk basically imposing his will on everyone. Yeah, and
2: Kirk's will is not a great will for societies to follow. Just no. like we'll we'll kill as many people as possible because that's how you advance.
1: Obviously, because uh, they took the fun part out of war. I guess I don't I don't really get that. Like it's yeah. It's like, Oh, so you still have the killing, but you don't have the, the horrible going into the battlefield and shooting at each other part. Oh. And yeah. he's
3: disgusted by that. And yeah. this way, you know, there's no um, there's no casualties of children and stuff, and it's mm-hmm. not, and all the buildings, the infrastructure all stays in place. But no, it's disgusting. But if the buildings
2: yep. are void of people, I mean, <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh-huh. And the... This- the smugness with which he after he disables the one planet's weapons or whatever he's explaining it to the uh, to the head guy and it's just like okay well you know you're gonna you're gonna have to do this and then they'll obviously respond in kind and if you want to live through them responding in kind with all their nuclear missiles you're gonna have to figure out a way to do it good luck bye yeah well I'm off to my next adventure (laughs) now if you'll excuse me I have other lives to ruin (laughs) Uh, and
1: and I don't think we can uh, state enough. Amanda mentioned this. Uh, I'm sure Matt, you have something to say about it. It cannot be emphasized enough. Just how ridiculous the outfits are that these guys are wearing oh, with their God. huge cone. They're like an optical illusion. It's like um, there's that episode of Next Gen where they create this shape where if the Borg look at it from a different direction, it, they can't perceive it. These hats are like that. It's like <laughs> when they turn profile, suddenly it's like a an octagon, but then they, <laughs> they turn front it's like cone it's very bizarre they only exist in the fourth dimension yeah it's <laughs> it's quite unusual
2: and they've got like the weird like like diagonal like the left leg of the pants is bright orange and that sort of extends up to the right shoulder yeah and then the only-
3: leaders wear togas on top of that <laughs>
2: <type> <laughs> yeah well that
3: index suit
2: that, that indicates their the- rank obviously and the orange pant leg is a bell bottom,
3: but the other one's tight.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, when when uh,
1: when sinister looking beardo is uh, standing up at the uh, at at the table, and the other guys are sitting around, it just—I mean—I I fully expected him for, to say, "Gentlemen, how could we kill Superman?" It just it looked like that set up perfectly.
3: <laughs> and this the whole time that Kirk's running back and forth through the rooms, and he runs he runs out of his prison and then back into his prison because. That they won't expect to look for it to him there, yeah, don't something. Don't look for me. <laughs> and so, while while that's happening, uh, he keeps calling Scotty back on the Enterprise to make sure that he hasn't done anything different. Like he can't have his own adventure; he's just backseat captain. Oh yeah, this
1: is this is the thing we've established in previous weeks where whoever he leaves in charge of the Enterprise, he never just lets them run things. Like he's done this to Sulu, he's done it to Spock. He just he's got to still be in charge from the planet. Mm-hmm. No matter what,
2: ship, ship still flying right. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there was
2: uh, Matt. Didn't move any my stuff, did you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you didn't. Uh, you didn't touch the secret button on the on the chair, right? Because uh, that's, uh, that's 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 daddy. That's for dad. That's time. for that's for Jim. Yeah. <laughs> ah. There was um Matt and I can't help. I mean, we we have this whole weird uh, duel. Like we're looking out for the women on the show, but we're still drooling over them because it's the '60s oh, and they're hot. You know, it's just one of those things. There was a there was a quite attractive uh, young uh, Asian yeoman, which we bu- got both our attention. we were like, hey, she's cute, and then she busts out the m- oh miso sally most honorable uh, like <laughs> talk, and it's like, oh god, please stop. And somewhere Sula's going, is she joking? <laughs> that was uh, that was unfortunate. That
3: uh, she is interested in samurai swords. Samurai.
0: <laughs> You are a douchebag.
3: <laughs> There's a bit where Kirk
1: is, is going nuts on, on the bearded guy and um and he's got him like up against the wall with his phaser in his face, calling him a savage. He's like, I'll choke you and vaporize you where you stand, you
2: savage. <laughs> wow, really? Kirk, you ever you know stand back and just sort of look at yourself? Why would I do that? <laughs> Alright, I'm gonna give you a tape recorder and I want you to listen to
3: yourself. Oh, Kirk, you old blowhard. <laughs>
1: <laughs> See, yeah, not uh, not a whole lot more to say about this one, I don't think. Any, anything else? Yeah, well, when,
3: when Scotty's up on the ship trying to run things and Kirk is constantly uh, busting in, uh, the planet shoots some beams at them. And they don't call them disruptor beams, they call them disruptive beams. So it's like <laughs> it's, it's... They haven't got the... the, the the lingo quite right, I guess. And so it sounds like the beams are, like, ruining their plans. Like, they're trying to go for an evening out. and they, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, these beams have stopped Highly us. disruptive. Highly disruptive.
1: Yeah, and, and papers uh, off their desks. I think, was this the one where um, where they kept calling the uh, the shields screens? Yeah. That got a little the, confusing, too. We're putting the screens up. Like, what? what? This will keep the bugs out. Yeah, <laughs> the disruptive what? bugs. They're
3: disruptive. They're ruining the ship's picnic. <laughs>
1: Uh anything else on this one or uh,
3: Um that- the the planet calls itself number 7. And that's not like the name we gave it because it's like the seventh planet in the system. That's what they call themselves.
1: No, I think the dude called himself that. I think he was like Joe 7. No, or
3: no, it's like r 7 is the name of the planet. Okay. That that's they called themselves the seventh planet, really?
1: But that's like we're the, the no third pride? planet of Earth. Yeah,
3: like- but we don't call ourselves Earth 3. We just call ourselves Earth.
1: Yeah, well. I don't know what to tell you there.
2: I don't understand. The name the word seven in our language translate to best planet ever. <laughs> That's what we started the war over. Right. Oh
1: uh,
2: boy.
1: So any anything else or uh... Nope. All right. We're to move on to this
2: side of this paradise. side of paradise. Uh oh, damn it, Shatner. Ah. <laughs> uh, oh, so no, the inter- Oh, sorry, go ahead. So the Enterprise arrives at Omicron Persei 8 to catalog the destruction of a colony. Kirk and friends beam down to discover that the colony is, in fact, not dead. At all. In fact, it's alive. The colony leader, Elias Sandoval, reveals that the colony is, in fact, thriving. The colonists are all in perfect health and completely content. Also, all their animals have died. But who cares about a silly thing like that? We're vegetarians. <laughs> Spock also discovers that his old sort of ex-girlfriend kind of Leela is also... Lila? Layla. I remember. Layla. Ah. Layla is also on the planet, and she leads him off to look at some flowers, which shoot him in the face and then melt his icy Vulcan exterior. (laughs) Kirk hails Spock, who finally lives out a lifelong dream and tells him to go fuck himself. The spores quickly spread across the crew, healing their bodies and minds and bringing a feeling of total peace and bliss to all they touch. Except for Kirk. No, he says humans must work and struggle and suffer and get hurt and die. And so he goes off to figure out how to ruin everyone else's good time. Meanwhile, Spock is happy for the first time ever. Back on the Enterprise, alone, Kirk mopes about. Then he literally trips trips over a stray plant and it shoots him in the face. (laughs) Kirk prepares to beam down to the planet when he's overcome by incredible anger and lust for his ship. (laughs) He realizes that strong emotions kill the spores, so he tricks Spock into beaming back up and then wails on him until he feels sad. Back to his senses, the two work together to find a cure for perfect health and happiness and unleash it on the planet. Soon, the crew is beating each other up and Kirk's feeling needed again. Spock's girlfriend tells him that she still loves him, but he cannot return her feelings. He returns to his empty life of wandering the stars, securing the knowledge that he will never love again. The phrase, I'm not going back, Jim, does not appear in this episode.
1: <laughs> Which is a shame. I was I was sure you were going to pick for your quote of the episode that quote that never
2: happened. I was trying to find it on Mister Science Theater, but I couldn't find the episode. <laughs>
0: Oh boy.
1: Yeah, this one, um, Ugh. you, you didn't, uh, you weren't exaggerating there. He really w- could not stand that everyone was happy don't. and healthy.
2: And- I wish I was. <laughs> well,
3: that's like, the thing. He finds a society that's working okay. Like, it might not be perfect. It might not be ideal, but this one is. Yeah. Um, and he wrecks it.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't get this at all. I think they needed to make a stronger case for why it was bad because all they did was present us with why it was good and yeah. then wreck it. There's really there was, no sympathy for us in the audience to to care no, about Kirk's position whatsoever.
2: Apparently there were a lot of rewrites on this episode and a lot of takes on like, well, no, the the plants are actually alive and it's a hive mind, but it's still, you know, benevolent and good willed and everything.
1: Yeah, no, see if I, you've done a if you've done one of those like the plants are controlling people and they're yeah. not really happy at all, then okay, then I might have bought that. But they mm. that wasn't it? No, ours. it's
3: just and the, the the spores died when they were uh when negative emotions were aimed at them. Like they yep. that's how ha- they were so benevolent that they couldn't live in a host. Yeah, it was there
1: symbiotic. Was they emotions. needed to live in them and make them happy so that they mm-hmm. could live there. That made perfect sense.
2: That's like well, you know, we could maybe use these spores to, you know, help people who have mental problems yeah, or like inc- inc- incurable illnesses. Nope. I'm torching it on the way out. No <laughs> one should live like this. It's horrible. <laughs> And uh, one of the
1: one of the effects that the plants had was uh, curing Bones of trying to uh, <laughs> hide his Southern accent. <laughs> uh, well, y'all, I need to go over here.
2: Hey, Jim, how's it going?
3: Yee-haw! It was embarrassing.
2: Yeah, I felt a little uh, little Bones. Shit. Are you okay? I guarantee. <laughs> yeah. Taking
3: a trip to
2: Hattie. <laughs> uh. I mean, mind you, as we've
1: repeatedly said. Even in a bad episode where things are happening that are just totally ridiculous, DeForest Kelly always is worth watching, and this was no exception. It was yeah, it was fun watching him be able to chew the scenery a bit.
3: I loved the the spore coming out of the the plant effect because it was <laughs> like a bunch of it was like a, a bunch of confetti like <laughs> <laughs>
1: surprise! Yeah, it's like you pull one of those popper things from New Year's Eve that uh, just <laughs> explodes stuff at you.
2: Happy birthday, Mr. Spock!
1: <laughs> How did you know? Yeah, there was a, there was a bit of sadness like I don't know if it was deliberate or not but the fact that Spock was allowed to be happy for a minute and then he had to give it up.
3: No, he yeah. didn't have to give it up. Well, Kirk
2: made him. Give well, that's what up. I mean, yeah. he had to give it up because Kirk made him. <laughs> Listen, I'm not <laughs> leaving the planet without my best homie.
1: <laughs> but I mean, I mean, I don't know if that was deliberate or not but it was an undercurrent of of the episode. No, no.
2: It- it, the original plan was to uh, for Sulu to be the first one to get infected, and for Sulu to have a girlfriend on the planet. And then uh, one of the writers was like, "No, this should really be about Spock. What would his not emotions and everything."
1: <laughs> well, I mean that's a that's a good point. Yeah, uh, I thought you were I thought you were about to make a uh, a, a Takei's gay joke, and you really swerved. There. <laughs> yeah, I showed you. Yeah. Wow. No, they, I mean, that, and that is a good point. Seeing Spock like smile was it's a little creepy to us. Yep. And hanging
2: out of a tree and yeah, so forth.
3: enjoying life.
2: Yeah. Kirk's just, what's your your angle, Spock? (laughs) I'm having none of this. (laughs) But uh, no no angle, Jim. I'm just happy. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Interesting.
3: Also, between this and Space Seed, I think that just like Star Trek doesn't know what eugenics mean... It doesn't. Star Trek doesn't know how many people it takes to make a viable genetic base. Like they said, there was like hundred and twenty people on this planet, and on mm-hmm. the planet where they put Con, like where they stranded Con, they had the, like seventy guys. Yeah, but, but I don't. That's enough to make retard babies.
1: <laughs> I don't think that colonies are necessarily meant to be self-sufficient forever. I think that's the base, and then they bring more people back once it's. But they've set been up.
3: there for like five years, all
2: alone, and yeah, they thought they were dead for four of those years.
1: Yeah, but that's not long enough to, for retard babies. You a couple generations for that. They send more, like, there. The whole thing about early Star Trek is that space really isn't explored yet. You send a handful of people here, 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 even here. But and they then as they you spread colonists. out, right, they set up a small colony. And then people, it, it's the things actually happened this way in actual colonial times as well, where small colonies would get set up and then more boats would come later and, and,
3: I don't know, man. They didn't say anything about more people. They said that this was supposed to be a colony all I, by itself. I just like one hundred and fifty people. It's
1: like an outpost. It's like they set up camp and then more people come later and, and fill it's in the outpost gaps.
3: Outpost full of retard babies.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, but perfectly happy and healthy retard babies. yeah. Well, the actually, point. they
3: might not end up as retard babies because of the uh,
2: the spores. But yeah, another <laughs> great thing those spores might have done could be.
1: But yeah, he, he Kirk's having absolutely none of that. And no. I like that he was not affected by the first round of spores. It took another one right in his face yep. to, to finally win him over. And even that didn't last very long. Nope. He just, he could not stand. Everyone being happy. Well, only he's
3: allowed to be happy and have fun.
1: (laughs) I I think they sold this point better, like, in uh, Generations with the Nexus, where he realized Mm -hmm. nothing is a challenge because everything happens exactly the way I want it. And that that was the same idea, but it was played out a little better. Here, like I said, there's just no indication that this is bad. I I don't Mm. understand why, other than he's a jerk.
2: Yeah.
3: Also, in this perfect society, they had no vehicles, and that was what gave them a society of perfect peace. They <laughs> said, "So no cars." I I don't know. No
2: cars. No no trains. No motorboats. Not a single luxury. <laughs>
1: They're also vegetarians, and really, who could be happy as a vegetarian? Ugh. I mean, let's let's be honest. Here.
3: Well, not you living with me.
1: No, nope, <laughs> definitely not. Let me tell you, folks, that was a fun Thanksgiving. <laughs> Oh boy! Uh, So anything else on this one? I mean, uh, Um, usually we give a little more time to uh, to each episode, but this one—it
3: was uh, funny, like it was, was.
1: but not on purpose.
3: No, and Nimoy was—I mean, he's sort of actually, yeah, Nimoy was Nimoy was really good in this. He sold like when he came back, and mm -hmm. and Kirk cured him from being happy. uh, He really sold to just the sadness of
2: yeah. that, that last line at the end, uh, that was the first time I was ever happy. I'm just like, oh, Spock. Yeah. Oh, you became more human and he took it back. <laughs> oh, Mr. Spock, you're becoming less human every day. You dick.
3: <laughs> well, Spock's, when he's staring at the clouds with his uh, farmer's daughter girlfriend, <laughs> um, he talks about having seen dragons. <laughs>
2: really? Yeah, on the dragon planet. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Jim made what? me go to the planet of the dragons. He found out that they were living happily there, too. <laughs> what was that's, it like? There was a lot of fire. That's why dragons are extinct now. <laughs> Kirk's. You'll have to, take me this, huh? you have to take me there someday. No. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I told you Kirk's been there. There's nothing left. <laughs> They're women impregnated, their society ruined. <laughs> and he stranded a couple of people there, too. <laughs>
3: something else i noticed in the, the i think it was in space seed in this one is whenever someone turns on one of the communication terminals a spotlight turns on over top of them <laughs> like on the ship like that that's how that works i
2: guess there's there's a lot
1: of strange stuff going on we keep meaning to point out the <laughs> weird very specific spotlight on kirk's eyes <laughs> oh
2: yeah, that's in the so weird like, we
1: we've brought this up when when matt and i watch these episodes we bring it up every week and we just it doesn't make it on the show but really it's it's this and it only happens to kirk yeah, Shatner gets like it's like he's wearing reverse goggles. Yeah, it's like his 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 the area right around his eyes lights up.
3: Well, it's to it's, show off the makeup because the uh, the the makeup department's so happy with the the eyeliner. Oh, he was wearing so
1: week. much eyeshadow in. Uh, I think it was Space Seat.
3: <laughs> well, he Jesus. he had to look as handsome as Khan.
1: Well, of course, he he uh, he can't really rock the net. So he's got to, he's got to work with what he has. I understand
3: that he's got to stay in his jumpsuit. He can't wear women's clothes, right? Then you'd have to tear them up.
2: I think Rock the Net might have been Khan's uh, uh, charity uh, rock tour. <laughs> well, Rock the Net sounds very nineties, so you know, <laughs> it makes sense. In I just came yeah. from Rocking the Net. <laughs> Is he Khan or Strong Bad? <laughs> you know what? I'm fine with either. Dear Khan Bad, <laughs> <laughs> how do you type with that net on? <laughs>
3: I also like that the um they they make a laser beam or a ray gun or something to make everyone all mad at each other to kill the spores. Oh
1: right. And
3: it causes itchiness and
1: that's... No, 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 It was, that was one of their stupid, like a balloon and something bad happens. It causes
3: itchiness. No, it
1: didn't cause itchiness. It was...
3: down on the planet scratching no, away.
1: No, 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 no. He was like, uh, no, what we'll do is we'll put this in everyone's air and like, oh yeah, like itching powder. Like it like wasn't itchiness. literally itchy.
3: It gets into their neurons and makes them itch. No,
1: it doesn't actually make them itch. I would have... I think you're not completely well versed in the uh, Star Trek school
2: of metaphors.
1: You're, uh, you're you're reading a little too
2: literally there.
3: Makes them itch. <laughs> then...
2: I would much prefer Kirk beaming down and one after another pissing off everyone on the planet. I think he's up to it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> All he'd have to do with the uh, bones is just start ripping on the South.
2: <laughs> yeah. They're gonna rise again, are they? And what exactly is gonna rise again? Yeah. Shut up, Jim.
3: <laughs> just tell them they had the the war of northern aggression coming. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Alright, uh, anything else on this one, or are we ready to... Uh, no. Mm,
3: no, I don't think so. <laughs> Alright,
1: uh, so for my quote of the episode for uh, Space Seed, uh, this, this I knew this before we even watched the episode, because I've seen this one before, and we saw it in the park not too long ago. Uh, this is uh, Bones, uh, when Khan first wakes up on his hospital bed, and uh, holds a, a scalpel up to, to Bones' throat. This is Bones telling him how to kill him. So fucking badass. Well, either choke me or
2: cut my throat. Make up your mind. English. I thought I dreamed hearing it. Where am I? You're, it. You're in bed, holding a knife at your doctor's throat. Answer my question. It would be most effective if you would cut the carotid artery just under the left ear. Really, really enjoy that. Oh, I love the, that line. It's a good quote.
1: Yeah, once again, uh, DeForest Kelly just doing his thing. Yep. Uh, so you got one for a taste of our Megadon?
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs> when um when they're running around from room to room, some more uh, Spock has to distract a guy before he Vulcan neck pinches him. Right. And uh, he says this.
0: Sir, there's a multi-legged creature growing on your shoulder. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm sorry if I could just distract you for a second. Yeah, there, you go. Uh,
1: there is. There appears to be a three-headed monkey behind you. <laughs> also, I am selling these fine leather jackets.
2: Fine
3: Corinthian
1: leather. Oh yeah, fine Corinthian leather. All right, Matt, you got one for uh, Side of Paradise.
2: Yeah, this one is when uh, Spock wanders off to go be happy, and Kirk realizes he hasn't seen him in a couple of minutes and wants to
0: check on him. Spock. Yes. What did you want? Spock, is that you? Yes, Captain. What did you want? Where are you? <laughs> I don't believe I want to tell you. Uh, Spock, I don't know what you think you're doing, but well, this is an order. Report back to me at the settlement in 10 minutes. We're evacuating all colonists to Starbase 27. No, I don't think so. You don't think so, what? I don't think so, sir. I love
2: uh I love Spock telling him off and I even more love Kirk reacting to him telling him off. So Yeah, that's There you go.
1: That's one of the things um when when you get these rare and you only really only get one once or twice a season of Spock being suddenly having emotions for some, you know, plot contrivance reason. It's always great seeing Nimoy play the humor and you realize he's kind of like he's great as Spock but he's kind of wasted in terms of he has a lot more range that he barely gets to use because, oh yeah, being Spock, he's just got to stand there and you know be the straight man. And it's nice seeing him be able to uh, to be funny mm-hmm. every now and then. Yeah, it's nice to see Kurt get that mad. Yeah, well, really, the only <laughs> we person see him who get could,
3: that mad every week.
1: Ah, uh, no, but I think I think the only person that can make him truly like that just furious is I just
2: lo- what do you mean I don't want to tell you <laughs>
1: yeah like I mean that's the last person you ever expect to uh, to call back with some sass mm-hmm. Spock sass is just uh, completely unexpected sass <laughs> alright so uh, for Space Seed in the future in the future. In the future all records of the 1990s will be lost so hold on to those DVD box sets of Blossom they're apparently going to
2: be quite rare someday Con was a big Blossom fan <laughs> <laughs>
3: I love that Joy Lawrence.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's that's who
1: was in that, right? I never actually saw that. Uh, I have yes? no idea.
3: Vero. I thought it's already been lost.
1: This is Too this late. is a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, uh, Amanda.
3: Okay, so for um Armageddon. In the future, in the future, in the future. all war computers will be wind powered. You know, to stay green.
1: Oh, yeah. They they had those weird windmills. I think they were just trying to look a little more futuristic, and uh, sometimes it works, sometimes not.
3: Sometimes it looks like you've got a windmill outside your your (laughs) war.
1: See, I I choose to believe that they're dragons. That's the planet of the dragons, (laughs) is is the windmills.
3: (laughs) See what I did there? Oh, Uh, yeah. Literary. Milton.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, In the Uh, future. The 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 pursuit of happiness is encouraged. As long as you never find it and get back to being miserable. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice. All right. Well, Amanda, I appreciate you joining us. Um,
3: from the other room.
1: Yes. From <laughs> from all the way in the other room. Um, we have one more episode of, of uh, one more podcast of three episodes coming up next week. Uh, then one of uh, two and then we're done. We're done for season one and uh, we get something really special coming up at the end of season one for you. So, uh, yeah, we do. Look Naked out for that. Naked
3: podcasting.
1: No, no, no. Uh, we do that on the audio ones. We don't... Yeah. We're, we're not... Uh, <laughs> why, why would that be special? We do that every week. Yeah, that's what podcasting is, isn't it? Yeah. I, yeah. Guess,
3: I guess it is. All
1: right. Huh. Uh, Amanda, we'll have to bring you back when there are some women with dignity on the show, so you might have to wait till about mid-next-gen or early DS9 for I that. think
3: I'll probably wait until DS9. <laughs> Very well. <laughs> I miss you, Dax. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, folks. That's all for us this week, and uh, we'll be back next week.
0: See ya. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is published weekly and is available via iTunes or on the web at postatomichorror.com. This program is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham, and all original material contained herein is their intellectual property unless otherwise noted. All clips and references from Star Trek and related media are used without permission from CBS, Viacom, and or Paramount Pictures. Fair use is assumed for the purposes of review and parody, and the aforementioned co-producers do not receive any form of profit for this effort. Listener feedback can be sent to podcast at postatomichorror.com. An on-air response is guaranteed.